Hey listeners, welcome to episode 20? Wow, of My Sister Made Me View It, Meg's Choice, reading The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. And just like I promised, here's the update. I got the full fancy tier on the Kickstarter. Because <laughs> I'm like, well, I really want the swag boxes. And I really want the hardcover. So I will get hardcover books. And I will get swag boxes. But Emily is the real winner in all of this. Because I'm not 100% sure I'll still be in the same apartment next year. So I'm getting them all shipped to Emily. <laughs> I've, I've told her that she can read the books as soon as they get there, but she's verboten. She's forbidden from opening the swag boxes and they'll just pile up and I'll, I'll open them when I go home to visit, which is not going to be monthly. So I will eventually have all the swag boxes, but I probably will only get to open them like every four or five months. And they'll all pile up. Presents for me, I guess. It has been raining in LA this week, very cool, very nice. And coincidentally, it was also raining very hard when Emily and I recorded this podcast. So there is going to be some rain noises and such in the background. But I hope you can still enjoy it. So sit back, relax, get a snack, get a drink. And uh, yeah, take it away, theme song. Dark, short, and lean, um, but um, or in between. Hello, everyone. Welcome to My Sister Made Me View It, Books Edition, Going Through the Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. My name is Meg, and I should probably be storyboarding. My name is Emily, and I should be working on my book. But instead, we're making a podcast. We're making a podcast. You actually got some good work done on your book today. I did. I came home. I said, I know we're going to podcast and I haven't read the assignment yet, but I had a really good idea for my book and I just need to go write it down. And Megan let me because she's a good sister. Because I also hadn't read the assignment. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long one this was week. so long. Uh, so this week, and, and, and therefore because the assignment's long, this episode's going to be long. Yeah. So congratulations to all of you who've just hit play on this. Uh, I think everyone's going to have a great time. So we read chapters 56, 57, 58, and 59, That Storming Book, Wander Sail, The Journey, and An Honor. And the, the paperback that we're both reading is getting a little... It is killing me. The, the, the front is peeling away from the spine, and it hurts me physically to see that, and I'm... Having a minor anxiety attack over it. Oh, well, it's my book, so you don't have to worry about okay, it. Okay. And we're going to tape it. Okay. And we could even maybe buy you a new okay, copy okay. of it if you want. <laughs> uh, but Emily, what were your initial... First of all, I got to say, Megan's here. Hooray. We're, we're podcasting together. Yes. Same time, same place. Same time, same place in the closet. But neither of us are happy about it because <laughs> Meg has onion breath. And it's not and that bad. I have pickle bread. <laughs> All right. So here's my exact thought process. 
I'm home for the holidays. I'm not, I don't have any immediate social plans. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to be kissing anybody over the next day or two. I can have raw onions as part of my dinner. Listen, not just raw onions, but, you know, chopped up a bunch of I them. I am an ogre. But I have to realize that good breath is important for more activities than just kissing, and one of them is podcasting. So, Emily, I am so sorry that you are exposed. Marinating. (laughs) So my dog obviously insists on being physically next to me. Um, So we took his collar off so he wouldn't jingle jangle. And he's snuffling up against the mic and he's wagging his tail. Still finding ways to be part of this project. But I kind of understand why because, give you guys a little update, it was a tumor. Yeah. It was a tumor. It was a tumor. It's out. Uh, I got the all clear though. Uh... And now I can pick my dog up. I had to go six weeks that I couldn't pick up anything heavier than five pounds. So I had to come be your muscle. She was. She, we got went and got the Thanksgiving turkey and she picked that up and she picked up the peanut oil and anything I needed. <laughs> so thank you, Megan, for being wonderful. So that's why, long story short, that's why my dog isn't here because... They've both had some separation anxiety. (laughs) I feel sad. (laughs) We were going to try and record while I was high on my surgery meds. (laughs) But they don't make me high. Painkillers don't make me a happy person. They make me really grouchy and really angry. And very sleepy. And very sleepy. So you guys would have gotten a terrible episode. So you're welcome. While you're looking that up. Did I tell you, Meg? I'm in the recovery room, and they're like, what's your pain level? And I'm like, oh, it's like a six. And they're like, okay, we'll give you some pain meds. They shoot it up through my IV. And a few minutes later, they're like, what's your pain level? I'm like, it's a seven. It's worse. They're like, oh, okay, let's give you some more pain meds. They give me some more. And then they came and sat sat me up, and then I was like, whoa, I am like at an eight right now. And they're like, what is happening? And so they give me more pain meds. And it's not working. And finally they realized my IV is closed. So they opened it full blast and I got hit with three doses of like the good stuff. But it made me, oh, it made me so sick. It was not fun, you guys. Don't do it. Um, right. So at the very top of Emily's notes, she had written down the chapters that I had originally assigned us to read. I was like, we're going to read 56 through 60. And then I realized that was like 130 pages. <laughs> so we've only read 90 pages for this, but we are we are taking giant bites out of the meat of part four. Mm-hmm. We're really getting don't there. like that phrasing, <laughs> but we're we're chomping our way through the book. Uh, so chapter fifty six, that storming book. I'm going to read the epigraph. Awesome. Light grows so distant, the storm never stops. I am broken, and all around me have died. I weep for the end of all things. He has won. Oh, he has beaten us. Rot row. Dated 
1173, 16 seconds pre-death. Subject, a Thalen sailor. Hey, Emily. Yes. What do you think Palahakov 1173 means? I think it's, like, there's, like, the desolations. I wonder if that's, like, a period of time as well. I'm going to read. Oh, are you going to prove me wrong? No. Okay. <laughs> nope. I'm going to give you more data points. Uh, this is the epigraph for Chapter 5, Heretic. I've seen the end and I've heard it named, the night of sorrows, the true desolation, the everstorm. Collected on the 1st of Nanez, 1172, 15 seconds pre-death. Oh, is it a month? And now we're going to read... <laughs> we're going to read chapter 7, just because I want to try this. Collected on Palahyshev, 1172, 21 seconds pre-death. Mm. Yes. These are like months. months. Got it. And so part 1, uh, we got a lot of... These epigraphs dated 1172 and then 1173, and now we're uh, getting more dated 1173. Um, I just want to ask you again, who is collecting these? At one point, I thought, like, Hoyd was writing the letters, mm -hmm. and then at one point, I thought Yasna Kulin was collecting the very specific ones, so I... So, uh, the ones that you think are Yasna, those are not, uh, these, Prophecies. like, death words. Uh, those were just actual clips from one of her notebooks, and it's confirmed that it is Yasna, because Shalon reads those actual notebooks yeah. in the story. So, yeah. part one were these death words, part two was the letter to and or from Hoyd, part three was Yasna's notes, and then part four we have these death things again. But, mm -hmm. who's collecting them? Okay. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm not going to tell you. Okay. Emily, what? tell us about what's going on in Roshar right now. Oh, that's the world. Okay. That's the world. <laughs> I was confused. Um, Sadius and Dalinar have combined forces, and it was such a fascinating chapter because we got a lot of, like, the battle. Um, oh, what's the word? Tactic. Tactics, I guess that might be it. Strategy. Strategy. Where Sadius gets there faster because he has the bridge crews. But then when Dalinar shows up, like he, he you know, stuff that only he can do happens. Um, Synergy. Synergy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm a team player. <laughs> and so there's a battle going on. And I think they've done this a couple of times. So they've kind of got this thing down. It's not their first run together. It's They've done it a few times and it's kind of down like clockwork. And then Dalinar realizes the Parshendi are adapting to that. And he starts thinking about, like, we don't know anything about them. <laughs> <laughs> because he also realizes, because when they attack the shard bears, the Parshendi attack the shard bears, they come in pairs. It's not just shard bears. Parshendi always attack in pairs. Oh, always attack in pairs. Kaladin noticed this long ago in this book when he started observing the battle. He noticed that Parshendi attack in pairs. But Dalinar probably should have noticed this. He did notice earlier. But, you know, basically he's he's doing a lot of thinking while he's fighting. He's not on autopilot exactly, but he's doing his best thinking while he's... Because remember when he dug the latrine ditch? Mm -hmm. Like, he has to be in motion to, like think things through, which I think was cool. And he's thinking more about... 
because they've, they, you know, every day, like the one before, <laughs> they've been waging war kind of the exact same way for the last six years. Mm-hmm. And the Parshendi have engaged them in a similar way for the last six years. And now Dalinar and Sadius are doing this first really big shakeup. And the Parshendi are m- not mirroring, they're not copying them, but adapting. Yeah, they are adapting to the changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like I said, when, when the Parshendi attack, it's, it's a, a team. And like I said, they've been doing this for six years and Dalinar realizes right then he thinks that it's a male and female, not an apprentice and a master. As his scholars have suggested. <laughs> and he looks and he's like, I think it's a woman, but he looks at all of them. He's like. They don't have very big boobs. Like, he looks for the boobs. I'm like, hello, you're such a man, sir. <laughs> Crabs don't have boobs. <laughs> uh, oh, um, okay, here's one thing that I, I want to point out. So, Dalinar is having a great time. He's feeling the thrill. He's having a really good time. And then he starts feeling super sick about all the people that he's killing. Like, all of a sudden, he's like, why are we doing this? And I think in an earlier episode, I guessed that there was a wizard, a Parshendi, somebody that was, like, putting the mind whammy on them. And so it's happening again, but he needs to keep the thrill up because that's the only way they're going to win this because he's getting surrounded. Like, they've adapted enough that, like, he might be in trouble. And he thinks back to when the thrill had been the strongest, and he lists what... Hey, hey Emily. What? When, give us Dalinar's listicle, top ten times he's liked feeling the thrill. Subduing the high princes with Gavilar during their youths. Uh-huh. Forcing back the Vedans, fighting the Herdazians, and destroying the Akik Reshi. And? And when Navani picked Gavilar... <laughs> Hey, Emily. Yes. Do me a favor and flip to the map. Okay. <laughs> so, their nation is a fairly young nation. Uh, Alethkar uh, was anciently a place called Alethala, and then it was split into the... What? Anciently. <laughs> you say it that way? I right? do say it Listen, that way. We're hashtag all in this together. <laughs> and in their youth, Dalinar and Gavilar subdued the kingdoms of the other high princes and united them to this new nation called Alethkar. And he says that he beat back the Vedans. Do you know where the Vedans are from? Down, so it's right there? Or is that a city? That city's called Vedanar. That country is called... Yakuved. <gasps> so did they rule Yakuved? Uh, no, but oh. they had a war with Yakovet. Oh, okay. Because when... as they're making their new nation, uh-huh. I'm sure the other countries are like, hey, that's a nice new land. I think we'll take I advantage think... of that. So so was that the war when Kaladin was young? That was part. I, I'm going to say, yeah, that was part of it. Okay. Pretty. I'm pretty sure the Alethi have been at war with someone or other, including each other. Yeah. Since... Dalinar's in his 40s at this point, mm-hmm. and he's been doing this since he was a young man. So yeah. they've... It was, it was so interesting because, to me, like, our culture is like, you really don't want to be fighting a war. They're expensive. Uh... Listen, listen, can I just... Okay, I... 
can I have my thought? You can have your thought. I'm going to disagree with it. I can tell you already. Okay, in my mind, you shouldn't be fighting a war because they're expensive and it costs a lot of resources and blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of reasons. But Alethkar is just one war after another after another. That's truly their way of life. I don't know what they would do if they weren't fighting a war. So the Alethi have been fighting wars forever. It's not their purpose is not peace. I don't think their purpose is the thrill of battle, Mm -hmm. which I think is fascinating. It's a fascinating cultural thing. I wasn't done with the map. Go back. (laughs) Okay. So he was fighting the Vedans Mm -hmm. and then he was fighting the, her, they were fighting the, her Dazians. He said he destroyed Akak Reshi. I don't know if that is a place or a thing or like a like a fancy statue, like it would be like the Statue of Liberty or something. I don't know. Okay, so we share, uh, I say we, I'm going to talk about the Alethi as we. But so Alethkar shares the longest border with Yaakoved, but in the north, they've got Herdaz. Mm-hmm. You know a Herdazian. I do. I wrote it down. It's Lopin. They mentioned it mm-hmm. twice. So I figured it was important. And what was the last, what was the last place he destroyed? Akik Reshi. Akak Reshi. Across the <gasps> northern edge. Reshi we have Islands. A collection of island nations called the Reshi Isles. Ooh. And there you go. So Fascinating. Uh, those are three nations that we know for sure Dalinar's fought a war against. Mm-hmm. And clearly won. Yep. Yep. Um, are you ready for not tangent time, but um conspiracy theory time. Yes. <laughs> so the Parshendi, like we said, have adapted and are fighting and people are getting in trouble. <laughs> At one point, actually, Sadius goes down uh-huh. and Dalinar has to run and save him. And we'll talk about that because it was amazing. Listen, I know you want to storyboard the assassin in white. I want to storyboard so much for these books that there's always hundreds of people <laughs> in all the scenes I love. I want this scene. That where Dalinar truly becomes the Black Thorn and kills like hundreds of people. Okay, I'll teach you how to storyboard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in these chapters that are coming up that we're going to talk about as well, we find out some st- more stuff about Stormlight and who can use it and that sort of thing. Okay, but I won't say more. But here's my thing. So the Parshendi can jump. Very long distances. They don't need bridges. They don't mm-hmm. need anything. They just jump. Dalinar can jump using the plate. Like, mm-hmm. he, we've seen him and Adolin, like, jumping long distances to get over and start fighting. The Parshendi wear Stormlight gems in their beards. Do they breathe it in and use that to jump? Is Kaladin a lost Parshendi? <laughs> Write it down! <laughs> I don't think that's Neshua right. Neshua Cadell. Uh, but anyways, I wonder if they were using it sans plate. What do you picture when you imagine the Parshendi? It's not very imaginative, but I picture the Kazon from Voyager. Okay. <laughs> because they That's have good. the, yeah. they have the, the sharp hair mm-hmm. and like the plate sort of a thing in their, their warrior culture. Like, like I said, I have to picture stuff from books yeah. and TV movies. You remember we met Tony Stark and Adam Winchester in <laughs> yeah. the prelude? Yeah. Um, me, before I really got into like looking at the fan art and like really reading the descriptions hard and trying to picture what they looked like, 
Um, I oh, imagine them looking like the Predator. Oh, um, so like alien. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Uh, I have a, there's an incredibly talented artist I love called Lamoray. And I, I'm pretty sure I've shown you some of her stuff, stuff before. Yeah. Um, How do you spell it? L-A-N-E-R-E. Why? <laughs> oh my gosh, we're actually friends. I messaged with her. I should know how to spell her screen name. Well, Meg's looking that up. My asking quiet... me if I'm looking for a lamprey. <laughs> My quiet snack for the day is um, sourdough bread. I did not learn how to make sourdough bread in the lockdown from 2020. But but our neighbor makes amazing sourdough bread, and I asked her to teach me how, and she gave me a start. Now I have a sourdough starter, and I'm so excited to learn how to use it. Okay, I put in. Way too many letters when I tried to spell this. Her name is L-A-M-A-E-R-Y. And she does the most fantastic and incredible Stormlight Archives art. And also Magnus Archives art. (laughs) And so I'm going to show you a picture she has done of the Parshendi of a Parshendi warrior brainstorming what that may look like with the carapace. Ooh. That's scary. I would not want to go up against them in battle. Oh, they're so scary. Yeah. I can't let Emily just roam free on her account, though, because (laughs) (laughs) she definitely draws things from all of the books. (laughs) Well, here's a Warbreaker picture. Uh, This is Light Song and... Oh, yeah. I like him. I thought he was blonde. I don't know if it mentions it. We just want to know what happens. We don't care what people look like. So Sadius is down. Yeah. And and like, not just they're fighting near each other and he goes down, but Dalinar sees a second Parshendi, a full second Parshendi army come in. He is peering across the far distance he sent his horse away he has already sent his honor guard away because it's too dangerous for the honor guard to fight too close to him because he's got his shard blade oh that's right and when he swings it around remember it doesn't cut flesh it just like severs the soul and so and so daladar takes it upon himself he calls his horse back gallant and they go across the entire battlefield like daladar looks back later and sees the trail of hundreds of bodies he's dropped behind. Which, because, like, as I was reading it, listen, when it gets to be excited, I'm like, are they going to be okay? And so I kind of skip a little bit. And so I and I appreciated that, that pause, turn around. This is what we have wrought. And I just went, ooh. So when he's trying to get to Sadius, this is one thing I loved because he nearly gets in trouble, big trouble. Like, he could have died but he thinks it's great because that's the thrill of whatever. But at one point he's like, I can't die until I know if I'm mad or not. It's very important that I find this out before I die. I love that. I just thought that was a very humanizing piece of him. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the Parshendi are trying to crack Sadius's armor open oh, like yeah. a walnut. <laughs> Uh, they've got his hammer, and so Dalinar switches tactics a little bit here. He lets Oathbringer dissolve, and he picks up Sadius's war hammer because 
Sadius doesn't have a blade. He wants one, but he doesn't have one. And Talwater mentions it's actually pretty good that he's using a physical weapon for this because if he were to take these enemies out with his shard blade, they would just drop where they stood because there's no resistance. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Now, I'm thinking of the opening of the Fellowship of the Ring. I was too! (laughs) (laughs) When Sauron just swings his mace and, like, people just fly up and away (laughs) into the air. Um, But, yeah, like, he doesn't even know if Sadius is alive at this point. He's, like, beaten into the ground <laughs> and his plate is basically open mm-hmm. and he's just like oh this is bad if the parshendi get a hold of both of us and then who comes to save the day who was it Emily? it was adolin i knew he was gonna be there i knew it i was just waiting for him emily was off the couch emily was on the couch reading this uh you know quietly focusing taking her notes and then she just goes ah and I was like, what? And she's like, Adolin's here to save the day. Oh. <laughs> uh, I know Renarin would be there if he could. But he doesn't have plate or blade. Or a big horse. <laughs> None of those things. A Rashadium <laughs> horse. <laughs> um, so the, the day is saved. And because Dalinar pretty much single-handedly took out the second Parshendi army, uh, they get the Chasm Fiend Chrysalis and the, the Gem Heart as well. Oh, yeah. Guess what else he's going to do? What's he going to do? He's going to instruct his men to pick up some of the Parshendi bodies and take them back so that they can, um, not experiment. That's too Frankenstein. Study, because he's like, we don't know enough about this. But it's also been very clear that the Parshendi are very respectful of their dead. Like, when there's dead on the battlefield, they they will go out of their way to go around their dead. I don't think that's going to end well. I, I think that's going to be yeah. the start of something where I don't know if they're going to come to, re- if the Parshendi will come to try and rescue the bodies. But I feel like there's, it's going to escalate because he's just, he's like, oh, this is a scientific curiosity. He's like, we need to know more. I'm like, you know this. Like, he's the one that says it. Like, you know that they're very, yeah, you know, protective uh. of their, of their dead. Um, I want to read you a little snippet of the conversation that Sadius and Dalinar have at the end of this chapter. Okay. Um, I thought I saw you alone. Where was your honor guard? I had to leave it behind, Dalinar said. It was the only way to get to you in time. Sadius frowned. That was a terrible risk, Dalinar. Why? You do not abandon your allies on the battlefield. Not unless there's no recourse. Not unless there's no recourse. It's one of the codes. Sadius shook his head. That honor of yours is going to get you killed, Dalinar. He seemed bemused. Not that I feel like offering a complaint about it on this day. If I should die, Dalinar said, then I would do so having lived my life right. It is not the destination that matters, Uh. but how one arrives there. I see your hand. (laughs) Let me finish my thing. How one arrives there. The codes... No, the way of kings. That's By Brandon Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple things. Okay. Journey before destination shows up so many times in these chapters. Well, because and it's... I we had a conversation we had a conversation about this. Remember we how did. much I hate that? Yep. I hate it still. It hasn't changed. My other thing is 
I feel like that was foreshadowing. For what? That Dalinar's gonna die. No! Why would you say that? Because that's what Brandon does. He kills people that I love. But he, I knew Dalinar wasn't gonna die in these chapters because... I have not seen or heard anyone talk about Dalinar's butt, and you told me to put it on the watch. Listen, maybe they call in an artist to sculpt it posthumously, <laughs> posteriorly, <laughs> and they're like, here lies, that is Roshaw's butt. <laughs> so anyways, that's, that's my far off future worry. Okay. I feel like we're not going to get through this book without a major death. Okay. And we're getting to the end of it. Like, we, Tien, we, we know, is dead. Some guy <laughs> named Tiern. <laughs> He's dead. Dunny's dead. Don't care about him. <gasps> I didn't! I was okay, just like, I knew someone, like, they're cannon fodder, so you can't get attached to them. Um, but I am very worried that Dalinar is going to bite it. I'm really worried about it. A so, lot. So, Much I, I know that you've just stated that you're very afraid that this character you love will die. Mm -hmm. But consider, maybe it's not about hurting you. Maybe No, it's all about me. No, no. Maybe something will happen that will hurt Dalinar instead. <gasps> Does one of his kids die? I don't know. <laughs> I don't Why know would you do that? that? I, I'm just oh, saying. Oh, no, I can't you, read this anymore. You think you know what's going to no. happen. <laughs> But maybe you don't. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I can't even think about this. <laughs> Are you crying? <laughs> I am. I don't even want to say that. I don't want them to die. They might not. No. Adolin hasn't met Shalom yet. It hasn't fallen in love yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Are you okay? said I'm not reading the chapter that describes Tian's death. If Adolin or Renarin bite it, I will also not be reading that chapter. Or Dalinar. No, I can read that. No, I couldn't. Okay. <laughs> what if there's four chapters I can't read because they all die? I love the Seth chapters. I love every chapter with Seth in it so much. And he, like, kills 800 people. <laughs> and you're like, but this is where I draw the line. <laughs> it is. I'm sorry. I I'm so worried now. I didn't know I needed to be worried about that. <laughs> okay. So rude. Uh, chapter. The worst chapter of this reading. You don't like Wander Sale? You know why? Because it's very long. Well, yes, that was very I, long. Okay, so after we last recorded, I was like, oh, I want to read this chapter because I want to read the Hoyt Kaladin scene to mm -hmm. Emily. And I start reading Wandersale, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure it happens in this chapter. But then, like, another scene came in, and I was like, oh, maybe, but it's in the chapter. And then another scene happened, and I was like, oh, okay. And then I read all the Hoyt Kaladin stuff, and then I was like, there are more scenes in this chapter. It was very long. 
Megan, I need you to read this note that I made. Oh, Emily made a note. It's in big letters. Yeah, other way. That is also in big letters. Who? Oh, no. It says, Hoyd betrayed me personally. Yep. How did Hoyd betray you, Emily? Because he, I was in an exclusive club. Uh-huh. I knew about Hoyd. Oh, you had someone point Hoyd out to you? <laughs> he just fancy black. <laughs> but I knew, and I got to be in a super secret club for like six chapters. And then Hoyd ruins it all by goes and introduces himself to Kaladin. Okay, so, uh, Hoyd in this chapter. Spoilers, wit is Hoyd. <laughs> um... In this chapter, Hoyd tells Kaladin his name is Hoyd. Well, one of his names are Hoyd. Oh, on page 999. Now, Emily, we first met Wit back in part two. On page... Did you tell me about it then, though, or did you I wait? did. <laughs> I couldn't remember when you told me. It was it was right after we had met him, so it was Fancy Black, where you're like, that's Fancy Black. So, I told you when we were reading, I think, The Decoy. So, you would have found out Hoyd was Hoyd around page 270. Not very many pages. Compared to the whole thing. Well, maybe if you had gotten into the Cosmere earlier, oh. I recommend... Anyway, I feel like you're blaming I'm, me for I'm stuff not, that is not my I'm fault. Not. I am sorry that Hoyd spilled the beans and told everyone, but yeah. you have to think of it from a Cosmere... enthusiastic Cosmere reader's point of view. Mm -hmm. We'd been seeing this Hoyd character... Pop up I don't in... care about other people's experiences. Hey, come on now. I do. You guys are all valid. I love you all. <laughs> uh, we'd seen him as a storyteller in Warbreaker, as an informant in the Mistborn books, as a beggar that helps Sereni out in Elantris. And it was very exciting to have on-page confirmation that, hey, this isn't just a a cameo I put it in because I like it. This is a specific character that then they're all connected and it was a very exciting time to be in a a Brandon Anderson fan. Conspiracy theory time. Yep. Okay. He says <clears throat> I gotta find it. Hold on. Alright, well leading up to this, the story that leads up to this, uh Oh, wait, real fast. Mm -hmm. Can you read us the epigraph of this chapter? Yes, I also... Okay, just one second. Let me find this so I don't have to, like... There is a picture of me doing the splits on this wall. I'm glad I have photo proof of that. <laughs> All right, I'm trying to find a very specific. Okay. So before we get into the Hoyd stuff, let's talk about what happens 
leading up to that. And yes, I will read you the epigraph. It says, I hold the suckling child in my hands, a knife at his throat, and know that all who live wish me to let the blade slip, spill its blood upon the ground over my hands, and with it gain us further breath to draw. Dated Shah Shanan. 1173, 23 seconds pre-death. Subject, a dark-eyed youth of 16 years. Sample is of particular note. I wonder if there was some sort of ritual that they mm -hmm. no longer do or maybe don't even know about, but I wonder if this mm -hmm. is a very important, like, rebirth ritual or something, but, like, there's uh, cultures that would sacrifice children for you know, the crop seasons or whatever. And I wonder if that is what was going on there. So these death words, mm -hmm. are they prophecies or recorded histories? Ooh, I initially have thought prophecies, but now I'm thinking it might be recorded histories. But who is pulling the strings and mm -hmm. making it happen? I don't know. Seems a pretty stressful way to send an email. <laughs> <laughs> don't have any guarantee that... Someone will die near your recipient. <laughs> uh, because we get that death thing, and then immediately the chapter begins with another bridgeman from Bridge Crew 4 dying and giving a prophecy or, you know, a recorded message or whatever. And Kaladin is just beside himself that he couldn't save this guy. Who there was, was it? Maps? I don't know that we've met him. Yes, we have. Oh, we have. <laughs> sorry, Maps. I'm sorry. He uh, uh, he got his name because he has a, uh, I don't know if it's a birthmark or a scar, but it's shaped like Alice Scar. I vaguely remember that. Mm -hmm. He uh, was one of the first to hang out around dinner, I think. Okay. Listen, I just knew they were cannon farter. <laughs> No, Emily, that's the sound from Dalinar's <laughs> butt. <laughs> Can't speak good tonight. Um, All right. Uh, everyone out there who is a writer, here's how you hurt my sister no, personally. Don't. You gotta kill a point of view character. <laughs> Nothing else will have any effect on her. Got to be point of view character. And sometimes you even just have to suggest that what if maybe <laughs> oh, no, a forgot. point of view character did die. <laughs> oh, no. I'm upset about that still. <laughs> um, oh, because Kaladin is upset he couldn't save him. But literally, like, he explains later the arrow went through the guy's lung and embedded into his spine. Like, there was no way he could have saved him. I bet Kaladin's dad could have done it. That's what he wondered. He does. He's like, yeah. if Liren had been here, and, and he remembers mm -hmm. thinking, like, Liren would probably tell him this is a time to not care, and you have to pick and choose, like, when to care. But Kaladin just cares so much, and it is his greatest strength and his greatest weakness, and I love that. Kaladin. <laughs> um... Let's see. Oh, they retrieve some of the spheres. And Megan, remind me, they get these because they do chasm duty and they're always searched. So they can't take the spheres from the bodies that they find. So they have been using an arrow to shoot it up 
Mm-hmm. Is there a bridge there, or is it just the rock? And like, there the are some permanent bridges closer to camp. Got it. Got it. So uh, they turn over the most expensive spheres they find because uh, there was a previous chapter called an emerald brome, mm-hmm. where Calvin's like, "You guys, we can't. We literally can't spend this. They will never believe that a bridgeman could own it." But they take some of the smaller denominations and. We found out Rock is pretty good with the bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. He didn't so, want anyone to know. Yeah, and he's like, I'll never use it to fight. But he uh, uses it to shoot a little bag with a few marble-sized spheres in it and pins it to the other side of the bridge. And then when they go out on bridge runs, Lopin and the people who help Lopin carry the water litters will retrieve mm-hmm. under the bridge. <clears throat> and Lopin has retrieved it. Because they're in the middle of a battle. Or they've finished the battle. And, you know, it's the aftermath. And he gives it to Kaladin. And it's all these bright, shiny spheres. And so Kaladin puts them on his waistcoat. Because Lopin doesn't want to be caught with them. (laughs) We're introduced to a mystery. That continues. Through these next few chapters. Uh And we don't get an answer. It's the rumor. The legend. (laughs) The mystery. Where's Gaz? Where is Gaz? He's been missing. Yeah. Okay, here's where my brain went. Because, remember, during the failed bridge carry, uh-huh. and Lamoral was just executed, yep. and then they bring in the new Bright Lord and her brightness, what's her butt? Um, I don't like her. I'm not going to even learn her name. She can die. I don't care. <laughs> okay, this is not exactly conspiracy theory, but this is kind of what I'm wondering is happening. They were upset instead of instead of... Executing Kaladin, he was put outside, judged by the Stormfather, survived. We have not heard this specifically from Sadius's mouth, but word around camp is he's pissed that Kaladin survived. Like, his soldiers that come to look at the man who survived the high storm have been beaten because of that. Like, not great. And so Kaladin was beaten unconscious and was not able to speak up for Lamoral or Gaz. <clears throat> Lamoral was executed. This is where my brain went. I'm super afraid that they have blinded Gaz's other eye. He only has Ugh. one eye, and it's going to drive him mad, and he's going to become some sort of crazy person wandering from camp to camp to camp. Oh, yeah, because in his... We had a small point of view from Gaz, mm-hmm. and he sees things with his eye that is not there. Yeah. So I'm, I can't believe this. I'm worried about Gaz. I can't believe I'm saying this. Where is Gaz? No. I'm so glad we're making a podcast. Um, Kaladin is so smart and so insightful. Mm-hmm. We know this. Mm-hmm. But... Only 19, but his mind is old. (laughs) Um, They stand at attention as the soldiers go back over. And the men start doing that as well. The the other bridge crew stand at attention. Because Kaladin has explained before, like, this is my weapon. Like, this is my only weapon and I will treat it as such. And he kind of lives by the codes a little bit, just not like... Just on instinct, though, because Kaladin can't read. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So the soldiers that are going over, one of them, like, throws stuff at the bridgeman, and Moash is like, why do they do that? 
Like, he's Call really... him names. Put him down all the time. <laughs> so he's kind of upset, as one would be to have fruit or vegetables, you know, thrown at you. Um, but uh, Kaladin's like, because they know they should be better. Because he's like, before I came out here, we thought everyone who was over here on the Shattered Plains was like the best of the best. And this was like the most honorable place to be. But these soldiers know they aren't that, and so they're embarrassed about that. What exactly does it say? Um, because they see discipline in Bridgman and it embarrasses them, rather than bettering themselves, they take the easier road of jeering at us. And then Scar says, Dalinar Colin soldiers don't act like that. <laughs> and then Kaladin says, Will I never stop hearing about Dalinar storming Colin? Kaladin thought. But here's the thing. Kaladin wants a light eyes with honor. He doesn't think there are any. Dalinar is the most honorable light eyes there is. And I I see what you're saying about that. And we've been in Dalinar's head and we yes. know Dalinar very well and we get that. Mm-hmm. But you have to realize this is exactly what people said to Kaladin about Amaram. That Amaram's different. Amaram's mm-hmm. not like the other light eyes. He's a cool light eyes. And uh, that turned out to be super not true. That there's a phrase Kaladin uses. I don't know if he's talking to Syl or if he's talking to the Bridgman, but he at one point describes light eyes as their corpses wrapped in silk. That's right. It was Syl. I think I think he was telling yeah. Syl anyways. But um, what I'm saying is I'm excited for the time when he realizes Dalinar Colin has honor. If Dalinar doesn't die before that No, happens. don't see that! <laughs> if Kaladin doesn't die before that happens. Remember, I told you I could never love Kaladin? Yeah. I have not let myself love Kaladin, so... Right. <laughs> you don't care about Kaladin Stormblast. If he dies, he will be with Tien. Some guy. Be... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to talk myself out of being more sad than I already am, okay? Yep, yep. I. <laughs> uh, you and I were doing some back and forth talking about Dalinar before we recorded. Should we talk about Dalinar here now? Yes. Um, and it's it's this idea that you're saying that he is better than all the other light eyes. Mm-hmm. He really is better. Mm-hmm. And but he wasn't always. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to talk okay, about. Okay, like, uh, do you think when he, if let's say Kaladin was to learn about Dalinar's history. Oh, I want, sorry, I started thinking about that. I wonder because would Kaladin think Dalinar was honorable if he hadn't always been honorable? Yeah. And so, uh, that's something now is like, if you're, if you were, if you live honorably in your life day to day in the present, but you've done some real messed up things in the past, like... We don't know much about Dalinar's past except war, and I'm sure and he was a drunkard. Yeah, war and a drunkard who would kill and people who insulted him. He deliberately forgot his wife. Yeah, or maybe oh. I don't know. He doesn't remember his wife through someone's actions. Uh my guess was he went to that place where you have to give something up. The night, the ancient magic. He ser- he searched out the ancient magics. Mm-hmm. 
Sorry, if I derailed you, I didn't mean to do no, that. No, no, I'm just listing everything we know about Dalinar. My confused look was me frantically trying to remember if that conversation with Dalinar and his sons had happened already. But it has. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, thinking, you know, thinking about that, uh, what... What would have driven Dalinar to forget his wife? Here is my knee-jerk answer slash reaction is if it had been something that would have helped them win a war. I think that past him would have been so obsessed. Before he got into the codes, before he read Way of Kings, I think... I think if he needed a secret weapon or an edge or something, mm-hmm. that he would have given up his wife in order to obtain that okay. to win whatever war they were fighting at the so time. So he, he asked for either like a MacGuffin, like you said, or maybe extra strength or extra wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I like the wisdom idea because he's like, I need extra brain power. And then whatever this thing is, is like, well, then let's make space in your brain, sweetie. <laughs> Ooh, I like that theory. That's very good. That's my theory. Um, Because I feel like also it would have been something, he seems like in his younger years, maybe not younger, 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 but he seems very like, he, now he thinks things through a lot, but I would think maybe a a younger Dalinar would be like, this is the solution that I immediately thought of. And so I'm going to go do it and not think about anything else. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I feel like that would have been his like knee jerk reaction of like, well, of course it's going to win the war. And then the war's over and he wins and he's left with the consequences. Mm -hmm. Um, I love these books for how they talk about. I don't want to say like repentance, but like redemption Mm -hmm. and making amends and, where does the fault lie when you do something bad and mm. and like how do you atone for it maybe yeah or or like how much should you have to atone are you the person you were when you did that thing mm. uh hey emily yes can a can a spear be blamed for the deaths it causes if it's a spear. I don't think so. Okay. We're not talking about Seth, right? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, that's a man who hasn't done anything that needs no. any kind of penance. Uh-uh. He's just perfect the way he is. He is. Nothing's his fault, Nothing. apparently. <laughs> when do we get to see him again? Sorry. This is a stupid book. Okay. <laughs> Why do you do this to me? Make me cry. <laughs> I'm not going to see Seth again. I didn't write it. <laughs> At Brandon Sanderson on this episode and be like, you just listen to this episode and I will be very angry at you, sir. Yeah, there's... Because, uh... I almost just told you. I'm like, because something so <laughs> happens in part four. So part five, we have to do this. <laughs> I wish you had here we go. Back to the book. Okay. Oh, the men, the bridge four, have created their own salute. Yeah. I couldn't. Okay, listen. It. Okay, I'm going to read you what it what it says. Uh-huh. Moash raised a hand. As one, the bridgemen raised their arms and crossed them, wrists together, 
hands and fists. Okay, I'm going to hold the book. Okay. I'm going to have you pass me your phone. I want you to try and do what you think this salute is. Okay, read it out loud. Okay. (laughs) The bridgemen raised their arms and crossed them, wrists together, hands and fists. It had the look of a practice effort. Okay, I'm going to take a picture. <laughs> look at my face. Okay, cool. Now, you're going to take a picture of me doing the Bridgman <laughs> salute. Ready? Ready. Oh. What kind of Not exactly. Well, no, yeah. hands and fists? How do you do hands and fists? <laughs> And then she held it in her other fist and then tried to cross her arm while holding one hand in the other. I'm so dumb. You're not dumb. You are just a visual learner. I'm a visual learner. And so oh you, you need pictures instead of descriptions. And that's okay. Every brain is a miracle and works differently. Oh my goodness. Um, I'm sorry so, that I lost that. This book definitely came out for the Black Panther movie, and I'm not saying that Ryan ripped this book off. He did not. Emily, they couldn't use a regular military salute, so who taught the squad the salute? Teft. His old squad salute. Yeah. He was the one, when he was telling everybody their backstory, Mm -hmm. that he said he's not trustworthy, right? Yeah. But we don't know much else. He's the one who said that he killed his brother. Okay. And then Kaladin said, so did I. You're not special. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to amend something. Okay. I'm attached to Teft. I'm attached to Rock. And if they die, I will also flip a table. Okay. Not Moash? You don't don't care about... Brandon Sanderson, I know this, is going to make me like him. And I am dead set against that. I do not like that man at all. And I'm so afraid he's going to be the last man standing next to Kaladin. I hate it. I hate it already. I am mostly untethered when it comes to this conversation. But... <laughs> because you need reasons. Do I? <laughs> so book four came out this year. Mm-hmm. No, book four came out last year. Yeah. Um, and we're getting another Mistborn book next year. What? Yeah, I didn't know that. The final Wax and Wayne book. Oh, I only read the first three. Well, it's a quadrangle, so get ready to read the fourth one. Oh, okay. Sorry, guys. Tangent. I know that he wrote that one, and then I thought he wrote a Wild Wild West one. That's Wax and Wayne. Oh, okay. Well, sorry. There's the original Mistborn trilogy mm-hmm. that has Vin and Kelsier. Okay. Um, So that's the final empire. Not for long. <laughs> I won't put that in there. And then the... There's... The uh, the next set, originally the next Mistborn trilogy was going to have more of a 1980s feel, mm-hmm. where, like, technology is just about to explode. Okay. But Brandon got the idea for setting something closer to what the Earth 1800s would have been like. Okay. And he ended up writing one book about it, and it focused on these characters named Wax and Wayne. Okay. So that's... People refer to those as the Wax and Wayne books. Okay. Even though Scadriel doesn't have a moon. Wax on, Wayne off. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a trilogy about Wax and Wayne that follows that. Got it. So the first Wax and Wayne book is like character introductions, relationship setups, world setups. I love it. Mm-hmm. I really love it. In fact, one of the scenes I want to board is a wedding that happens in that book. Okay. And then the final Wax and Wayne book is coming out next year. Mm-hmm. And then Stormlight 5 writing starts. <laughs> And it takes about 18 months to draft one of those. Okay. And then it has to go through polishes and cleans and beta readers and all this sort of stuff. So we're probably going to get Stormlight 5 in about three years. Okay. Which is so perfect because, Emily, do you know how long it's taken us to podcast The Way of Kings? Over a year. Just over. (laughs) And you know what? The books only get longer. So you are going to get perfectly paced. No, I'm not. Guess what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I have all paperbacks, and if we get to the fifth book, I'm going to have to buy a hardback, and it's going to ruin the aesthetic of my bookshelf. No, I'm going to buy the hardback. Okay. You're going to read it. Okay. And then when we're done, you could buy a paperback okay. when we're done. That's, good. That's very important to me. Okay, we'll, we'll get that for you. I'm gonna I'm gonna save up and I'm gonna get the leather bounds of all of them. That's what my bookshelf is gonna look like. <laughs> so they do the salute, and the men kind of go off to do their thing, and then Teft attacks Kaladin. Oh yeah, and Kaladin in the face. <laughs> so I'm gonna read this little bit because I really love it. A quick motion came from Teft, like a punch being thrown. Kaladin moved by reflex, taking in a sharp breath. Moving to a defensive stance, arms up, one hand a fist, the other back to block. Some... So like this. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> she just did the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger side and was. I did Emily's me. bridge for. <laughs> so so Emily, what he did was uh was this. Okay, thank you. I knew you were gonna do that to me. <laughs> it says something blossomed within Kaladin, like a deep breath drawn in, like a burning liquor injected directly into his blood. A powerful wave pulsed through his body. Energy, strength, awareness. It was like the body's natural alert response to danger, only it was a hundredfold more intense. And Teft is smug AF. I'm going to read you something in the prologue. Seth could feel the light's warmth, its fury, like a tempest that had been injected directly into his veins. The power of it was invigorating, but dangerous. It pushed him to act, to move, to strike. Holding his breath, he clung to the stormlight. He could still feel it leaking out. Stormlight could be held for only a short time, a few minutes at most. It leaked away, the human body too porous a container. He had heard that the Voidbringers could hold it in perfectly. But then, did they even exist? His punishment declared that they didn't. His honor demanded that they did. So this is when I went on a spiral. Uh Uh-huh. Is... Kaladin, a reborn radiant, is this like an X-Men mutation that some people can do it? Or is it like, this is your destiny? Or is he and Seth related somehow? (laughs) Also, he has Syl's powers, only she gave them to him. So does, because he makes something stick to, he makes like a backpack stick to like a wooden barrel. So did Seth have a Syl at one point? (gasps) Was Seth and Syl, fr- were they friends? I feel like there's got to be a connection there somewhere. I'm, I've, She's giving me a nothing the face. Blank face. The blank face no spoilers. Ugh. But, yeah, how is Seth able to do this if he doesn't have a spren helping him? Yeah. Ugh. 
like, did someone come along and say, I am going to teach you this? Or did they realize, like, you have this ability, so Mm -hmm. now I'm going to teach you how to use it? Like, can you learn it? Like, oh, I want to learn to play the flute. You also asked me while you were reading if Kaladin is related to the Parshendi in any way. Oh, that's right! Because, that's ridiculous, but (laughs) I'm wondering, because the Parshendi can use... I'm thinking they can use stormlight from the gems in their beards or whatever in their armor. To, that's how they can jump so far. And Teft and Kaladin have conversations about what the Radiants could and couldn't do. And Teft's like, they could run up walls and they could fly and they could do all these things. And so I was like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's So, yeah, like you're saying uh, in his conversations with Teft, there's no instruction book for Kaladin yeah. on how to do this. Like he's he does some trial and error, like later in our reading, mm-hmm. but there's no Xavier School for Gifted Children. Mm-hmm. There's no other people like this he knows. Mm-mm. Because he says we're just going off myths and legends, but we cannot also take those as truth because they are myths yeah. and legends. And so at one point he does try to run up a wall and really fails. <laughs> uh, so here's my question for you. Okay. Who taught Seth how to do all this? Oh, and I think it has something to do with either his dad or his grandfather because the name Seth, son, son, Volano, and then at one point they talk about Seth, son of whatever, and he's like, don't. Seth, son, Naturo. Yeah, he's like, don't. Don't. All right. So I'm thinking something like that. Oh, I just need to know. What would you do? If you realize you have a mythical power. So I'm going to go on a quick tangent about that because... So you're going to open up Bing and you're going to... (laughs) (laughs) You're just going to type in vampires. Because I was thinking, we find out... It's in this reading. I don't think it's in this Wandersdale chapter, but yeah. Um, Because I was thinking, they cannot let Sadius know about this. Like, they have got to keep this a secret because if Kaladin somehow becomes this, like larger than life character that is going to be bad news for everybody so in Kaladin's situation I would be like yeah don't let anybody know my situation is not as dire but I also feel like I would want a secret identity I would want to do the superhero Mm -hmm. thing and not let other people know and keep it a secret because I like I don't like having secrets I like knowing things I feel like that is, like, one of the biggest things is, like, I could do this really cool thing and nobody else knows about it. <laughs> so the Alethi have technology that runs on Stormlight, mm-hmm. pretty much. They Their shard armor relies yes. on lit gems, mm-hmm. and their fabrials rely on Stormlight in gems. And whatever Kaladin's got going on, it seems to cut out the middleman. You've got your hand raised. Yes, what is it? In the very beginning, the assassin in white, when he's going through the castle, and, and he's just like, there's just stormlight every. Seth says there's stormlight everywhere, and he sucks it all in, and he becomes absolutely unstoppable. And that's how their king died. And if they find out someone else can do this, they are not going to let him anywhere near anything. Oh, no, then he'll never get to hang out with Dalinar like you want. I'm weighing my words carefully. Do I want that more, or do I want Shalon and Adolin to be together if I had to pick one? Oh, yeah. You can only have one. It would be Adolin and Shalon. Okay, well, then I guess Calvin and all gonna... of Bridge 4 get wiped out. 
Anyway, Syl, she knows that she's doing this, but she doesn't remember how. Mm -hmm. So do you know what? Syl probably could teach him if her memory was better. Yeah. And it's getting better. Yeah. And at one point she's like, remember, if you die, I go stupid. Don't die. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, Taco, do you want to come on in? So Kaladin reacts very badly and is like, I'm cursed. I'm a monster. I'm a monster. (laughs) And he just runs off into the the, night yeah he goes to the plateaus like at the very very edge of the war camps to go sulk but there's someone already there who is it and he poor him because he's realizing this whole time he's never been alone and he's like now i can be alone and then he sees a campfire he's like dang it (laughs) i don't need you (laughs) it's the king's wit Hey. Who's just hanging out oh, hey, and bothering Whit. Bridgman. Oh, hey, Wit, we thought you died. <laughs> and he's just sitting there, just not doing anything. And Kaladin's like, oh, my gosh, this guy, because he's a light eyes. And Kaladin's like, I really don't want to be bothered by an eccentric light eyes who comes out to play the flute in the middle of nowhere. I don't want to deal with this. Like, I can't. You don't make me do it. And then the guy's like, oh, hey, buddy, <laughs> come hang out with me. Kaladin's like, Ugh. but he's explaining like who he is. He's the king's wit. He's like, I might lose that title, and and Kaladin's never heard of that. The king's what? Like Kaladin, we were reminded, we're being attacked. We have a swarm of animals in here right now. We have two cats and a dog, and they all want to know what the microphone is. <laughs> and we're just reminded that even though Kaladin is super knowledgeable about the army and everything, he has no knowledge about court or culture or manners or anything. Like, yeah. Like, he has this very cool idea of honor, but, like, if he were brought to court, I'm sure he would make so many faux pas. But he's like, the king's what? And he says, wit. It was my job to be witty. And Kaladin says, saying confusing things isn't the same as being witty. And it gave me some Tiffany aching vibes uh-huh. with her second and third, with her second and third thoughts. They have a conversation. Wit plays the this flute this like Kaladin can tell it's special and they're sitting kind of by you know where some of the chasms are and stuff and he'll play the melody and it like kind of goes off and then comes back through the chasm as Wit is telling the story so he is getting um a soundtrack and it's really really cool and and Kaladin is seeing things in the smoke and everything and he's telling him a story about and is this a relative of Elokar's? Like, do you really not know, or are you just not telling me? I really don't know. Okay. Tell us a story about a, a king who goes off to sail the ocean during a high storm, and how that's so impossible. And they discover this island of people who agree all the time. There's no... They're all nice, they're all kind, mm-hmm. they're all agreeable. Mm-hmm. But anytime anyone makes a mistake, whether that's breaking a dish or tripping in front of company they are immediately executed. And they're like, we cannot bring dishonor to our emperor. Yeah. Our our emperor cannot bear any faults. Mm-hmm. This king and his... The one, sailing king and his The sailing crew. king and his crew, you're right. One day just cannot stand this any longer. Yeah. And they storm the castle where the emperor lives because they're just like, this is unacceptable. You cannot rule the world like this. And what they bring out of the castle is a desiccated corpse. And the emperor has been dead long enough that he's mummified. 
The people realize that all the murders they have done in the name of the emperor, really, they did it themselves because he no longer was demanding anything and it causes chaos and the entire island like devolves into a war zone and like they barely like the the regular king barely gets out with his life like they have to go and get in the boats and like escape the island as it's like burning so emily i would say the people of this island saw themselves as a spear held by their emperor Mm mm-hmm and they're like, oh, he wants us to do this. Yeah. These aren't murders. The emperor would want us to do this. Mm-hmm. And then, so they saw themselves as doing this for their emperor. That they could not be faulted for these crimes that they committed because they weren't crimes. They were sanctioned. They were necessary. They were right. And then they suddenly find out they did this on their own. And... They are to blame. I don't have a problem with this. I see exactly what Brandon is getting across. But Mm -hmm. I could also argue that they weren't at fault. Because that's what the emperor had demanded. And even though he was dead, they they didn't know that. And if he'd been alive, and the king had gone out and pulled out a live person, and then said, don't do this anymore... I don't know. I feel like that's unfair. Like, if you're raised this way, Mm -hmm. this is the way it's been done. This is the way you've been ordered to do it by your superior. And then the superior doesn't give you the necessary info or you miss something. So I see what Brandon's trying to say, but I have a problem with it because Mm -hmm. I feel really bad for those people on the island that were raised this way and that's what you did. So... We're coming, we're folding back onto, I think, some of the conversation Yasna and Shalon had about what is legal versus what is moral. Mm-hmm. And what is legally right may not be morally sound. There mm-hmm. can be unjust laws. Mm-hmm. While you're like, yes, they were raised that murder is okay, actually. Murder is never okay. I want it to be very clear that I don't think murder is okay. I think. <laughs> The amount of guilt they immediately felt oh. indicates that they knew what they were doing was wrong. Oh, but they got to say, oh, it's not on us. But they got to oh. say, it's not on me. Mm-hmm. So it'd be different if the king, if they brought the emperor out and they're like, the emperor's dead. And they're like, okay, well, people should still be murdered for making mistakes. Mm-hmm. That's not what happened. And said they were like, oh, no, and they, they they reached a whole new level of freak, <laughs> to quote Sam Winchester. And I think that story speaks to, instinctively, we are born with, I know what's right and I know what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And there can be blind spots, like you're saying, where you were raised a certain way, either in a certain place or in a certain lifestyle, and... Uh, you may not realize till you're older that, oh, this thing I took for granted that's good for my life is bad for others. Like, mm-hmm. that's different. Yeah. But I think it was very clearly these people knew that the purge was immoral. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's kind of fun to murder. Just like every once in a while, you know? <laughs> sanctioned and murder. Sanctioned murder. And, you know, do you think they would ever keep an eye out? For someone messing up because... Oh. Because... Anyway. If 
because here's the thing if you get someone if you find someone else doing it and get them murdered that's one less person who's gonna see you mess up and murder you <laughs> so when it's done Kaladin's like okay well was that real was that true <laughs> all right there is a trope that you know I don't like mm-hmm. and it's when writers write about how writers are the greatest <laughs> people who've existed mm-hmm and you're going to have to swoop to this, okay? Mm-hmm. This scene gets real f***ing close to the line. <laughs> real close, but doesn't cross it. Mm-hmm. Because I think having proven himself by writing 800,000 pages. that Of good writing. Of good writing. Mm-hmm. That I think, do you know what? Yeah, Brandon deserves to pontificate on the importance of storytelling and what is storytelling and what is it about it that stirs us. So I actually like this conversation between <laughs> Wit and Kaladin. I had actually wondered that, and I, but I didn't want to bring it up because I'm like, Megan's going to get so mad about it. I, know. I can't wait to hear, listeners, all the podcasts you all make when I finally start publishing work. <sighs> all right. So, you guys, remember I was really upset about Hoyd? Oh, were you, do you, do you have more thoughts? I'm trying to find something. So, okay. if you can do it without the book, that would be great. So, he introduces himself to Kaladin as Hoyd, but he says it's the name of someone he loved. Someone he should have loved. Should have loved. And he took it, and, and he's like, the name is not as beautiful or something because I have it or whatever. So, is this not Hoyd? Is this not the true... King Hoyd, <laughs> the one and only pull the sword from the, you know what I'm saying. This person we're talking to mm-hmm. is the person we've seen in these other Cosmere Okay. Books. But his name is not Hoyd. His name was not originally Hoyd. Okay. But it's the name he uses most often. Okay. That was my, that was my thing. It was going to be like a, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet sort of a thing. Rose by any other name would <laughs> Cannon farter. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. That is my right. boner warrior move. Don't remember that. We talked about it in the last podcast. Oh. Where I was supposed to say planer warrior and I couldn't get the words out. And for some reason I said boner warrior. Oh, right. I, Which was embarrassing. I can't remember where it is where the bridgemen are talking about how they've ended up in the bridges. Okay. But Emily, one of the bridgemen was talking about how his master got him out of all these scrapes. Mm-hmm. It turns out Kaladin is not the first member of Bridge 4 to meet the king's wit. We could have been an exclusive club, you know. <laughs> now Oid has to go talk about it. Um, it is Sigzil. Yeah. And, listen, I would, if I was Sigzil, I would have been pissed about this. Because Hoyd tells Kaladin to tell Sigzil... You're promoted. You're graduated. You're graduated. You can go be a, a world, what is it, a... World singer. World singer. So here's the thing. Again, sorry guys, I just have all these thoughts. Thank you for sticking with us. We love you. We appreciate you. You're the best. Welcome to the longest <laughs> podcast episode of this podcast. We're halfway through and we're no, at we're an not. hour. <laughs> so I'm wondering if world singer, if Sigil is going to be like, I cannot stay in bridge for... Because this is a higher calling. And if he's going to try and leave, Hoyd says, don't let him die. 
Yeah, because that's one thing about being a bridgeman. They just that's let you saying. leave. No, that's what I'm saying. Is he going to have to... Because I know they have a plan to escape, but I'm just, like, wondering if, if they didn't have a plan to escape or anything. Like, is this where, like, Seth is like, I don't like killing, but I do it because it's, like, my higher calling or whatever. <laughs> I think murder is wrong, <laughs> actually. <laughs> but that would be my question. I think that would be a really interesting conundrum of, like... Like, if you're a pacifist, that like, there's a movie about the guy who was a pacifist who, who oh, was... Oh, it's called The Pacifist. Is it called The Pacifist? I've no, never I seen don't it know. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm making fun of you. Where he gets drafted into the war and he goes, like, his his goal is to, like, serve his country without resorting to violence. Oh, that somehow. sounds nice. So I'm wondering if, like, Sigil felt so strongly about this, like, this world building thing is bigger than the war, it's bigger than this, and it's my calling and it's, like, what I feel is right if he would up and leave. Not currently, because Rock pointed out, oh, you're a world singer, and Sigsel got really upset and left. <laughs> so, But he is now. Yep. Hoyd gives Kaladin the flute, and Kaladin's like, well, I'll give it to Sigil, and Hoyd's like, no, I gave it to you. And Kaladin's like, what do I do with this? I can't play the flute. Hoyd's like, learn. <laughs> like, that's one more thing Kaladin has to do. <laughs> okay, so that's... You're a flautist, Callie. <laughs> How much more are we going to talk about? As much as we want. Kaladin. Okay. It's our podcast. Well, no, I'm We could talk forever. I didn't know if you had, like, this is the next point I wanted to make. So the, the theory, the working theory now is Kaladin is a radiant. Does that mean he's, like, a reincarnated radiant? And, here's my second question, are radiants the same as heralds? No, and that's been answered already. Right. I remember we talked about it. Will you remind me? Heralds are like team captains, mm -hmm. and uh, the Radiants each followed a different herald. And the heralds are the ten people from the prelude. Yes. Got it. Okay. And uh, that's all you know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like pause and I'm like open file mark spoiler close file open file mark spoiler close file here's the other thing I'm waiting for is obviously Kaladin's not the only one and in an army of hundreds of thousands there has got to be someone else and I'm very excited for when Kaladin meets another Radiant Reborn and if it happens to be Seth I'm super thrilled about that yes magical stuff is happening to Kaladin yes are there any other people we know that have had magical stuff happen to them? Shalon. Who has a shard blade? I think. You think? Yes. Because she was counting when she thought she was being attacked. And then anyone else? Dalinar. Dalinar has magical things, but he doesn't... Well, he hasn't pulled in Stormlight yet. <gasps> Is this like the Avengers where like they're all going to be thrown together and... They're going to have a cool do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-
symbol-headed, weird people. The swearheads. The swearheads. And she saw a weird place. She went there. Mm -hmm. And she transfigured. No, what is it? It's not transfigured. Um, hold on. Don't eat on the podcast! <laughs> this is my strike one. Yasna needs Stormlight in her Fabriel in order to use the Fabriel that we saw. Um, Shallan didn't need to touch the Fabriel to use it. Wow. So she could just leave and save her family and miss out on the chance to find her one true love, Adolin. Okay, so again... You have this very wonderful worldview where Bridgman can just leave if they want to be a storyteller. It wouldn't be easy. people in prison for trying to rob the princess of Alethkar can just leave. Anything is possible if you put your mind to it. Listen. Let's go hang out with. In your words, Shalon's one true love, Adolin. Okay, great. Even though he's dating someone else right he's now. He's dating so many people right now. He's trying to, anyway. He's trying to. He has found another, is it da- Del? Delon. Adolin is trying to, maybe not impress, but trying to feel out if him and Delon could be a thing. Is that the name? I don't think it's Delon. Danlin. Danlin. There Hi. we go. <laughs> Uh, I can't so make the salute. I can't. Here we see a bright lord in his natural habitat, <laughs> and he's hanging out with other well-born dandies, gentlefolk, and they're and he's letting loose. Wine. He's drinking yellow wine. He's yellow wine. Mm-hmm. They're talking about fashion, and Adolin has a duel later that day. Mm-hmm. So this is just a, a nice charmed afternoon in the life of Adolin Cohen. Giving Colin. me very um, Scarlet Pimpernel? No, Oscar Wilde vibes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. At one point, because they are talking about fashion and it's brought up again, like everyone under Dalinar Colin, like they only wear their uniform, like there is no whatever, but you know, um, a lot of the fashion is bright silks. And I love, I think we've talked about it a little before, but one of them is like a jacket with like slashes through it so that the silk underneath yeah, so that shows through. That's something. That's a style that we see one of the high lords wearing at the duel mm-hmm. uh, later this chapter. Uh-huh. And Sadius is like, the rent fashion has been out of style for you know seasons already because <laughs> Sadius is also very into fashion. And so here is a question I had about a world building question. Uh huh. Um, do they soul cast? stuff into silk like how do they get is this fashion that someone has gone to the capital and come back and said this is what's in style or has it just naturally evolved and this is what the fashion is in the war camps oh that'd be interesting because like you know if we're thinking that the capital of alethkar is like the paris of the world or whatever uh that'd be very interesting um we have seen fashion drastically change from the prologue until now, mm-hmm. because the men used to wear much, much deeper colors. Much further up. It it's, it's okay. It'll last till we're done podcasting. <laughs> it's okay that the book is torn. It is a well-loved 
many times read book. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Okay. It's all right. Um, but now we're seeing men dressing in brighter colors. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing fashions change as, the as, time, goes as time goes by. Um, but yeah, I don't know if this is, what are they wearing in... That's not what it's called. What are they wearing in the capital city? Uh, I'm just wondering. Oh, keep going. I have a Light question, spoilers. Okay. They do have fashion magazines or folios. <gasps> I love that. And, um, I love that. In the next book, for sure, uh, there are inserts that are pages from these fashion folios <laughs> that talk about um, fashions, not just in Alethkar, but in different nations as well. So... Do we know, have they said, or do we have an estimate of how many miles it is from the Shattered Plains to Alethkar? Like, to the capital? So I'm going to have you go to the map? Like, I can see it. I just don't know. I know, know. but I'm going to see, is there, a, is there a legend, is there a key for distance anywhere on the no, map? No, there is not. Okay. Because I'm wondering, like, do merchants, because, okay, sorry guys, I'm trying to get all my thoughts out. Um, Dalinar is like, people care about fashion too much. Only he'd probably be like, people care about fashion too much. <laughs> people care about fashion too much these days. But I can't remember if it's Sadius or Elokar that says, like, we have visiting dignitaries that come here and we need to look our best. And so I'm like, I think it's Sadius because Sadius goes into this whole spiel that's very much, for someone has to strike a pose and bear the weight of well-tailored clothes. <laughs> anyway, uh, everyone listen to the Scarlet Pimpernel musical. So good. Um, and so I wonder if merchants bring like whole outfits out, if they would make bank doing that, because Mm -hmm. it would have to be worth it if you cross, because they just have to cross these planes to get there with, you know, we saw that with Kaladin with high storms and everything. I just want to know logistically, how do they get their clothes? I bet fancy people have their tailors as part of their servants and their retinue. That would make sense. Um, and we know that the markets have been growing exponentially and like, because Dalinar's pretty sure this is going to become a permanent settlement. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. There's so many, like, Ooh, so much detail. Listen, I don't like long fantasies. I don't like them. Okay. But this can, I like be your, this, this can be your exception. I like this one. You are the only. Anyway, oh, uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go on with the conversation. Aelin's getting real annoyed by one girl's laugh. Uh, we find out that dark hair is the fashionable favorite hair, and that a lot of women dye their hair. Mm-hmm. And if we recall back in Kaladin's flashbacks. Pretty sure what's her bucket started dyeing her hair at some point. Laurel. Laurel. Mm-hmm. Cause she had yellow and she had, black hair. Yes. Okay. Uh, Adolin also has yellow and black hair. Oh. It's been mentioned a couple times, not like prominently, but he and Renarin both have uh, gold and black streaked hair. Got it. Um, okay, so something pops up, and when, as an English major, when something is mentioned more than one time, you know it's important. <laughs> Set up, reminder, payoff. Yeah. So he talks about being one of the ten fools. And then later on, someone also says, mentions something about the ten fools. Is that the ten heralds? The heralds are an important part of their religion, though. I can't remember. I can't imagine they think of them as fools. Yeah. So we don't call them the twelve fools. <laughs> <laughs> we call them the twelve apostles. <laughs> no, but... um. 
I don't know. Like, my mind's just going on about, like, was it everything has an equal and opposite side? And so, like, the bad guys Ooh. are the ten fools who went up against the ten heralds. Ooh. Like, are there ten evil heralds and ten good heralds? You're looking at me like maybe I might have stumbled on something. I was trying to make a joke about herald versus... And then I couldn't think of a good opposite <laughs> word to. So that's on my watch is Ten Fools. All right. Um, also, we get another It's Blood Orange So Pretentious moment. <laughs> so I loved that. Um, what else is in my notes? A lot of fashion questions. Because, okay, so when we were first getting introduced to Shalon and Kaladin, mm-hmm. you were talking about how they paid attention to what interested them the most. Yes. That Shalon talks about architecture and the art and the design of the world that she's in. And then Kaladin talks about his familiar smells and his familiar landscapes or whatever. And I think one of the reasons why we focus so much on fashion in this chapter is that's something that deeply interests Adolin is how people present themselves mm-hmm. and me connecting two dots, but Dalinar dismisses it as frivolous mm-hmm. where Adolin puts so much stock into appearance, but I don't think it's just appearance. I think Adolin is very much, he takes very sincere measure of how people present themselves mm-hmm. because for him, it's not a facade, a carefully crafted, this is who I am, but he can see and take into account every part of a person And I think it's one of the reasons why he distrusts Sadius so much. Mm. Because Dalinar's like, son, you don't understand. In our youth, a long time ago, Sadius and I were friends. And like, there's all this history that you don't know. And then Adolin is very much like, but father, who he is today, what he says, what he does, like tilts back a little earlier to our conversation that you and I were having about okay, is it who you are now or what you did in the past? It's mm-hmm. like who you really are. And yeah. I think Adolin is very good at gauging who people are now. Mm-hmm. And as he's walking to the duel, the people, his friends that he's been talking with, they're kind of reiterating that his father's respect level in the camp is still down. Mm-hmm. The friends that he's been speaking with refer to the fact that Dalinar's reputation is still bad in the camps, even though he pulled off that amazing feat on the battlefield and saved Sadius's life, even though he's been gaining gem hearts, even though, like, and from your and my point of view, being in Dalinar's point of view, like, we, we're seeing incredible things from him, yeah. but no one else can see it. And they're like, he's going crazy. Like, we know what happens during high storms. Like, everything he's done is not enough to outweigh that. Yeah. And so, as Adolin, you know, leaves his friend group and he's walking to the duel, he's thinking a couple levels deeper than he normally does. Okay. And he's thinking about the codes. And Mm -hmm. he's like, okay, why does my dad have us wear our uniforms? Mm -hmm. And he's looking at the crowd. And he's like, I can tell these people are officers. I can tell they're my father's officers. And a bunch of these other noblemen may be in the army. They may just be here. Like, I don't know. He he hasn't quite got all the pieces together yet, but he's thinking about it more deeply because he's like, okay, well, why would it be important to know who in the crowd is a military 
the Parshendi aren't going to attack us here. They never attack. They haven't attacked this side of the war camps in years. And where we're catching Dalinar, we've mentioned before that it feels like Dalinar has like had his big character arc already. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this may be, I mean, he was already a really good, good guy to start with. Um, but I'm feeling like we are seeing changes in Adolin through this book. Yeah. Um, even though from the very first chapter that we saw him, Adolin is good and respectful and he listens to, like, he respects his dad and he listens to him even when he disagrees. Yeah. And I think it's, <laughs> there's not much you could do to improve upon the perfection that is Adolin Colin. <laughs> um, but I like that he's still got, like, this rich inner life and his own issues mm-hmm. and his own problems that, yeah. that he is dealing with. I like him. I Me really, too. really like him. Oh, no, Megan. What? He dies. I can like people. No, if he dies, like you said, he might. You said ghosts. He'll come back as a ghost. <laughs> Speaking of fashion, guess who is looking very fashionable in not a great way? Sadius. No. Hill. Elokar. Elokar. He has taken to wearing his plate everywhere. Everywhere. Because he is afraid of being assassinated. And keep talking. And at first I'm like, I guess they could play it off by this is the king and this is our symbol and he's going to be walking around in a symbol of his own power. Like that would be a PR way to spin it versus he's afraid he's going to get attacked and killed and therefore he's doing self-preservation stuff. Emily, mm-hmm. you and Elokar have the exact same theory on the assassination. He also believes someone else hired the assassin. Oh, that's right. No, yes, I wrote that. No, that was Dalinar that thought that. Elokar, uh, nope. Um, Elokar says the Parshendi are savages and easily manipulated. It would be a perfect distraction, pinning the blame on a group of Parshmen. Mm-hmm. We go to war for years and years, never noticing the real villains working quietly in my own camp. <laughs> and then he says something after that that I think would interest you. Oh. They watch me, always, waiting. I see their faces in mirrors. <gasps> no! Oh, no! Oh, that's my least favorite trope, Megan! Take your hands off your ears. This next part's important. <laughs> Symbols. <gasps> Twisted. Oh! Inhuman. I read the chapter too fast. You did. <laughs> you did. But I'm really I've happy. I've been reading for like an hour. Whoa. Hey. Hey. <gasps> My mind is blown right now. I'm Who freaking does out. that sound like? I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. <laughs> So, uh, what are, what are those? They're, they're the swear heads. The, 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 the. Is Elkar seeing swear heads? Well, so does that mean he's a radiant too? Or does that maybe not even have to correlate with, I don't know, with that? I mean, because Shallan doesn't have a sill that's talking to her. That's true. That's true. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, Listen. Okay, I'm trying not to go off on, like, a horror movie tangent, so I won't. But, like, the idea of you see something that other people don't, but it's so real to you, 
and not being able to convince someone else to believe you or to be on your side. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that is like one of my worst nightmares. Yeah. And so, uh, Shalon doesn't directly see these beings either. She right. only sees them when they're in her drawings. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently Elokar is seeing things in the mirror and, uh, Gas! <gasps> it's all coming together. Gas sees things too. Oh no! Is it because? Oh no! I was about to say it's because they came into contact with Callan, and that's definitely not it. That's not it. Oh! Oh! This is really good. <laughs> is this part of the Brandalanche? No. <laughs> this is just. This is just. Stop! <laughs> Did we talk about the Brandalanche? We have not started the Brandalanche yet. You'll you'll know okay. when the Brandalanche starts. Yeah, so Elokar, um, Dalinar and Sadius don't pick up on this at all because they haven't read the rest of the book. Um, but they're like, was Elokar's paranoia growing worse or just more visible? He saw phantom cabals in every shadow. Not phantom capsules. Not phantom capsules. <laughs> Although, were we to see capsule again? R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. I uh, hope your strawberry jam was freaking worth it. Um, so they're talking about the, retreating from the war. Yes, yes. Give me, give me, give me. Because I, so we, Elokar is very paranoid. Yes, we know this. But there's this one part... But, to quote Harry Dresden, is it paranoia if there really are invisible (laughs) demons trying to (laughs) eat your face? So, Dalinar talks about... This is maybe why I think I got mixed up. Um, Because Elokar's like, do you want us to leave the Shattered Plains? Are you a coward? And Dalinar realizes, like, no, we can't leave. He's like, but this is what I would do different instead of just doing it warlike um oh sorry he he's not i think he's decided not to leave himself but elokar is saying would you would you have us retreat and basically look like cowards yes because to flash back when he and elokar talked about this before Mm -hmm. elokar flips out because he's like you're abandoning the vengeance pact did my father not mean anything to you yeah yeah and so and so Dalinar just basically, like, lays out his plan. He's like, yes, I would take our army and go back to Alethkar to protect it. It has been left open right now. Which, interesting, we were talking about all the wars that they fought before, mm-hmm. um, where it's like a new kingdom, a new land. Everyone's coming in to try and, like, attack it in its infancy. Yeah. And I think they've gotten maybe a little complacent of, like, we have this great army. Yeah, they have a great army. It's clear how many hundreds of miles away. Like, it's not going to do any good and if they're attacked. it's on the far side of their country. It's not like, oh, if we just go a little bit north, we can engage with the Vadens again. Yeah. It's, yeah. no, they're on the opposite side they're of the country. Away. Um, and so Dalinar said, I would leave, but not because I wish to flee or because I fear battle. It would be because I fear for Alice Carr stability. And I'm not going to read all of it. He's like, I would... I would want to do more investigating into the Parshendi to ask why they killed Gavilar because it doesn't make sense to them. Still, I would figure out a way to, for our scientists to figure out how to make more of these gem hearts so that, like, you know, we can keep 
earning money and still like provide for our, our country. And he like lays out this plan of five or six things that he would do instead of just throwing soldiers at the other end at, at the at the other army. And he lays it out very like he's obviously thought about it. <laughs> and Lucar goes, Well that makes sense. Why didn't you explain it to me like that before? Telenor's like, I did. But he doesn't say that. But he's like, okay, Elkar, he's he's going to get it. He's going to get it. He yeah. believes in him so hard. Delinor actually says, I've had a difficult time making myself understood. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's because nobody listens to him. <laughs> <gasps> so they're talking about, like, they can't do that right now. But, but they're kind of talking about, like, oh, the thing that Dalinar and Sadius are doing with the bridges is working. But the Parshendi are adapting to it. So let's try something different. And Elokar suggests that let's try something different because in every battle, Sadius's men get there so quickly because of the bridge. And then Dalinar eventually makes it. Sadius is like, you should try out some of my bridge crew. And Dalinar's like, oh, I don't know. And Elokar comes in and says, listen, Sadius did it your way. It's only fair that you do it his way. And I'm like, that makes sense. So, is he going to get bridge four? Meet me in the middle, says the unjust man. You take a step forward and he doesn't move. Meet me in the middle, says the unjust man. You step forward again and he doesn't move. I think it's a bad move for Dalinar to use bridge crews. Why? The bridge crews are horrible. Well, I mean, okay, yes. (laughs) I'm not arguing that. this chapter Dalinar's like oh but isn't that like isn't that kind of bad you know isn't it really rough on the bridgeman and Sadius says it's an honor for them to just even be involved and Dalinar thinks I don't think they'd see it that way previously in all the books in in this book people have been like the bridge four has been like, well, Dalinar's not like that. Dalinar doesn't use men on his bridges. Oh, no. Dalinar uses troll-pulled bridges. Oh, no. And, and if he uses... Oh, no. I didn't even think about that. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. So, you know what? No. They'll get to the battle faster, but it'll probably be at the cost of Ugh, some I don't bridgemen. like it. Ugh. But, you know, uh, we find out that Bridge 4 gets a new assignment next chapter, so odds are also they're going to interact with Dalinar. <laughs> I want you to read the biggest note that I have on this page. Okay, so we're, we're moving now. We're going to move into Chapter 59. And Emily's notes at first says, No more journey slash destination talk. Oh, no, gas to do with Kaladin's failure, bridge carry? So, you know, that's stuff we've talked about already. And then four lines high, she's just written, what? We t- <laughs> What? <laughs> I was so upset. I'm I was like two letter <laughs> What? Because. We t- <laughs> I was having a strong. <laughs> um, we, we, Kaladin is told that. Hey, guess what? You guys are going to run every single bridge run from now on and do chasm duty. And they realize it's because Sadius wants them dead. Yeah. He wants them dead. Wants them out of the way. But, okay, I'm not trying to give Sadius any 
satisfaction. Right. I have not specifically heard him or from his point of view say, I want this guy dead. I'm wondering, are, are you saying that this is, because there's many steps up the light up eyes the ladder. ladder. Yeah. I'm trying to think of another compare. Listen, uh, I think it's very much like, you know, you see a, a villain in, in uh, for some reason I'm thinking Wilson Fisk in Daredevil. Mm-hmm. And people are like, this Daredevil guy's a problem. And he'll just say, take care of it. And it's all the people it down the line who, down, are, yeah. who are figuring out how. So I think, I don't think anyone has specifically sat Sadius down for a debrief to be like, okay, his name is Kaladin. <laughs> and from what we can gather, da 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 and, and this is how long he's been in the bridge crew, da 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 Instead, it's just, hey, the soldiers are really pissed off that that one bridge crew stands to attention. Mm-hmm. And Sadius is like, it's a bridge crew. Take care of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, he definitely knows who Kaladin is because of the side carry. carry. Yeah. Yeah. So he may not have specifically been the one to say they go on every bridge run, but I think Sadius is like, take care of it. Take care of it. (laughs) I mean, it's one bridge crew. (laughs) How, how much could it take to kill them? Three bridge runs? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So these guys realize that they've basically been sentenced, sentenced to, death. to death. And so they're like, we've got to get out of here. Because it's like, we're not ready yet. So the, the, um, what is the, what is the literary term? Tension has been ratcheted up. Oh, the, the rising action? Mm-hmm. No, uh, the stakes. The stakes. I don't want your pen. I didn't know. <laughs> and so... It's just, okay, listen, it's so unfair. It's so unfair. All they want to do is live and be friends and have a found family. But listen, Bridgman aren't supposed to survive. I understand this. But now that I've spent time with them. Listen, I know they're not supposed to survive. I know this. And I know that when it comes to stuff like bigger picture sometimes you just have to look at the bigger picture and the bridge crew are not part of the bigger picture but it's just really hard when you get down to like here's how it runs and these are the people responsible for you getting to where you need to be because listen if you didn't have bridge crew Sadius would not nearly be as successful you would think that he would well but here's the thing is he doesn't want more efficient bridge crews. Mm-hmm. He wants things to run the way they've always had using the bridgeman as fodder because, and, and this is exactly what Kaladin realized is that Sadius is putting his investments into training and equipping his soldiers mm-hmm. and every untrained, unimportant bridgeman he can sacrifice. Every arrow that hits a bridgeman spares a soldier, which saves him money. Yeah. And so he doesn't want highly trained, efficient bridgemen. In, in fact, uh, masses of untrained bridgemen are even more helpful because trained bridgemen who know tactics decide that it's time to side carry their bridge. <laughs> okay, here's the thing, you guys. I need to make a blanket statement. If I ever sound like I'm admiring of anything Sadius does, 
It's because for a brief moment I've had a bout of madness and I've forgotten about all of this. Like Dalinar Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> Who's like, listen, he's he's a snake, but he's our snake. And... <laughs> Speaking about not equipping the bridgemen, um, they're down there doing their nightly chasm duty and they are not just taking spheres anymore and hiding them. Kaladin is going to the Parshendi bodies that have the the armor that's grown out of them. Oh, yeah. And I honestly thought that it had just been very clever armor that they had made. He has to cut through, like, tendons and stuff. It grows it on them. It grows on them. And is it, like, a toenail? Like, does it keep growing? Yeah. Uh, no, think, think carapace-like crabs. Okay. Like, I didn't know if like it kept getting thicker or like it just grew and then you know we don't know we maybe don't know. maybe down our scientists will find out maybe um but they grow it plated like armor mm-hmm. so they so grow cool. natural armor so cool um also Kaladin is trying to do a little bit of uh study and practice at the beginning he's he's trying to figure out how to take in uh stormlight. Okay. Deliberately, Because now he believes. At first he thought that was just crazy talk. But then when he... Oh, because he had the... Sorry, in an earlier chapter he had that bag of spheres on him. And then when Tef tries uh-huh. to hit him, they realize they open the bag and all the, all the light is gone. And they realize Kaladin is glowing because he has inhaled all of the stormlight. Yeah. So he keeps trying to do it on purpose and... Is not doing well. And then some of the some of the last things that we do is instead of shooting the bag, Kaladin is going to try his new wall power abilities, and he's gonna stick himself to the wall with stormlight and get up there. And uh, he is able to get up there, but they realize they can't leave the rope hanging, so he doesn't have a way to get back down. What does Sil suggest? She she's like just jump. Like she forty she's, feet. Yeah, she's not even like hmm hmm. What could we do? She's just like just jump, just do it. And Kaladin's like no, <laughs> I'll break bones. No, I feel right about this, Kaladin. You'll be fine. Trust me. So okay, explain this part to me because he has. To, I thought again, this might be the whole Bridgman salute all over again. But he uses the stones to climb up. Why does he? Why does he have rope, or why do they have to be worried about rope if he just climbed up the rock? He didn't climb up with the bag. So he climbed up on his own. He's holding the rope. Oh. He drops it down to Lopin, who ties the bag down there, and then he Then he pulls it. it up. Got it. Okay. I would like to read you how Kaladin stands. Can you turn the pages quieter because it picks up on the mic? Okay. I'd like to read you uh, how he lands. Oh, Superhero pose! You got that it. You knew it. Uh, he twisted in the air, dropping the rope and hitting the ground with both feet down. He came to a crouch, resting one hand on the stone, a jolt of coldness shooting through him. His remaining stormlight came out in a single burst, flung from his body in a luminescent smoke ring that crashed against the ground before spreading out, vanishing. <laughs> I love superhero poses. All right. That brings us that brings us to the end of our reading today. Yay! Which was so long. Four chapters and 90 pages. <laughs> we next time are going to tackle 
five chapters. What? But 70 pages. It's much shorter. Okay. So we will be reading chapter 60. That which we cannot have. Chapter 61, right for wrong. Chapter 62, three glyphs. Chapter 63, fear. Chapter 64, a man of extremes. And chapter 65, the tower. (gasps) The tower. Oh, okay. Okay. Emily, I know we have things to do tonight. (laughs) I know it's already late. I want to beg you to read tonight's assignment tonight. I'm going to beg you to just try and read one chapter. (laughs) I want to sit and enjoy it. I don't want to rush through it. Then just sit through it. (laughs) I've got to go back to storyboarding anyway. So maybe you could just take all these blankets and pillows and just like hang out, bring a snack and just read. You've already written on your book tonight. I have. I have. I've done a good job. And if everyone's like, Megan, why so many chapters? Yeah, how many episodes, quote unquote, are left after this, after 60 All right. to 65? We have one, two, three episodes left. How many chapters total in this book? 75 and an epilogue. Woo! So, we are 15 chapters from the end. Man. And so we're going to we're going to average about 5 per reading All from right. here to the end because this is it. This is the, the this is the end game. You'll know when the Brander Lance starts. Okay, I'm very excited. Oh, wait, I have a huge important question. What? What's Kaladin going to do with all of his arts and crafts supplies? I think okay, okay. I don't want this to happen, but I don't know how else it is going to happen. I think he's going to try and make armor for the bridge crew. I think, or at least armor for the bridge somehow to like reinforce it or something. Um, Cause they're like, Sadius isn't going to like it. And, and Kaladin's like, Sadius can kick rocks. I don't really care. <laughs> like, I don't care. Sadius can spit in the storm for all I care. <laughs> yeah. So... I would think they would be worried about escaping and preparing to escape. So maybe that's what he's doing is preparing them like armor when they have to like fight their way out. I keep forgetting that's what they're going to do. And then things keep getting worse and worse and worse. And I'm like, they got to get out. They got to get out. Well, (laughs) two hours. Welcome to our longest episodes, our longest episode so far. Emily, thank you so much for reading this book with me. welcome. I am enjoying it and having a good time, even though you make me cry. And I am so sorry that there are no more interludes. (laughs) Ever? In this book. Okay. I was about to say, I've been counting on these. Uh, Yeah, we've got... We've got two more episodes that are going to take place in part four, mm-hmm. uh, and then part five is just going to be its own episode. Okay. Ooh, I'm so excited. <laughs> you will be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to do a little more storyboarding before okay. I go to bed. Sounds good. I don't know what I'm going to do. I've yet to decide. We think so, you guys are great. Have a good evening. We love you so much. Uh, shout out to friend of the pod, Ted. <laughs> 
uh, who messaged me to tell me how much he loved your supercut. Yeah. Um, because the episode we've just released is the one where Emily reads the lesson. <laughs> That's right. And yeah, and also shout out to my Bridge Four Discord. Yay! Who also listens to our show and says nice things about it. And I want you guys to know, Megan will screenshot the non-spoilery parts and shares them with me. And it just, like, makes my heart so happy and light. So, mm-hmm. thank you. We love you. Thank you for listening so much. You guys are the best. Do you want to be a friend of the pod? Reach out to us on our social media accounts. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at SisMadeMeViewIt. And also just be someone who knows us in real life and tells us that you like our podcast. Yeah, that's great too. That's literally the easiest way. (laughs) But if you don't, you can always go to the Apple's iTunes store and leave us a little rating and review. Just a little. Just a little 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 review. So much. And uh, heck, maybe we'll shout you out as a friend of the pod. Yeah. But uh, until then, I am going to get back to storyboarding. And Emily is hopefully going to get back to reading this book. But until then... I believe in you. I believe in you. Ready, Ready break. break. That was a good episode. That was a good episode. Oh, can we find the part where I made you cry? <laughs>